0: There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports, whether it's on the gridiron. For the
1: end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown.
0: On the court. Edwards
1: thinking three and popping a three.
0: On the ice. It's
1: Caprizo with an open goal.
0: Or on the diamond.
1: Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run.
0: Whether it's positive.
1: I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs.
0: Or negative. He's
1: terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat.
0: Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat. And now, here's your host, Ross Brendel.
1: Well, I am super excited because we're going to talk Gopher football, Vikings football, all that and more on this edition, the 125th edition of the soon-to-be award-winning Award winning, if only in my own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat. Feeling pretty good. The Gopher football team did what they were supposed to do, beating New Mexico State University last week by a final score of 38 to nothing. Vikings and Packers coming up yet this upcoming weekend. Later on this week, I'll talk with Daniel House from GophersGuru.com. We'll preview the big matchup between the Gophers and the Western Illinois Leathernecks. Daniel House will join me each and every week during the Gopher football season to talk some Gophers in college football. Before we get to our guest for the day, I need to remind everybody and tell everybody all about the good people at Beans Coffee Company. People ask me, how can I support the podcast? How can I support you? Easiest way to do that is to support somebody like Beans Coffee Company, the fine folks that help support Minnesota Sports Chat. Beans Coffee Company, they're more than just about providing fresh, great-tasting coffee. Beans, they're also about simplicity and convenience. What could be easier than fresh, roasted coffee showing right up to your doorstep? And you really Didn't even have to do anything for that to happen. Head to coffeebybeans.com and sign up for a coffee subscription. That is coffeebybeans.com subscriptions. They can be set up in one to eight week intervals and they can be customized for your favorite blend. And don't forget, use that promo code sports chat when you sign up or check out to save 10%. Subscriptions, not your thing, not a problem. You can order by the bag. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders of three bags or more. CoffeeByBeans.com, promo code sports chat. Now that that business is out of the way, we get to the business of talking Minnesota Vikings go for football, probably some betting talk as well. The Vikings will win 12 games this upcoming season. So says today's guest on the pod, that guest, one of the two outstanding Before We Die co-hosts on Score North and Purple Daily, Mr. Thor Dystrom. He's on the Twitter machine at Thorku. You'll have to explain that to me in a moment, Thor. You can also find his work on fantasy pros and betting pros as well. Thor, you're stuck with me two days a week, and then you agreed to do this pod. So that actually makes it three days this week. So thank you very much, my man.
0: Yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment, Ross, but it's great to be with you.
1: Am I missing anything on your Twitter handle? Am I not well, cool enough to understand the name, or am I just missing something?
0: Well, you're going to kick yourself when 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 I tell you it's just for Kansas University. Oh,
1: that's, that's what I thought. But what's your tie-in there? Aren't you an Iowa guy?
0: I went to grad school at Iowa went to undergrad at Kansas.
1: Okay. Rock yeah. Chalk Jayhawk.
0: Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Yeah. If you look on there, you know, on Twitter, it has the thing of like, when you started your account or whatever like that, I started mine. It was right when I graduated undergrad the next day, like, so I walked down the hill or whatever. And then the next day I drove back to Minneapolis because the day after that, I started an internship with MLB.com covering the twins. And so this was in May of, I'm going to, I'm going to date myself. This was in May of 2008. And so I start with MLB.com and like two days into that job, they're like, you know, why aren't you put your, you know, do you have a Twitter to put the links out on and, and, uh, you know, report what you hear or whatever. I didn't have a Twitter so that I made it then. And my, my email at Kansas had been like Thorku at KU.edu or whatever. So I was just like, I'll make my handle Thorku. I, I, I wish it was more clever than that, but that's literally all that went into it.
1: Well, I've said multiple times on this pod, and I know this has happened to a lot of different people. I would like to use Ross Brendel, but I've had to use Brendel Ross because a Ross Brendel beat me to Twitter by like five years uh, and then immediately got suspended. His account has been suspended forever, yet I can't have the name. Yeah, so I'm Brendel sure. Ross.
0: Kind of stinks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, DM, I, there was someone who had like the Thor Nystrom handle and I like, I don't, I don't even think their name's Thorn Thor Nystrom, but like, it anyway, I, I DM them I D, and they had like two followers and weren't active and I even offered them like a hundred bucks, but they just never got back to Thor. So I this, stick with RKU.
1: This is very similar to when a team acquires a new player. And that new player wants a jersey number from somebody, they offer a little bit of cash or maybe a Rolex or something.
0: A thousand percent. Yeah. Apparently, my hundred dollars when I had my com internship, it was not enough to sway this person. I don't, I don't even think they live in, in this country. I, I don't know where they live, but maybe I'll do like a, a podcast invest, investigation series trying to track this person down and getting my. You know,
1: you'd be surprised those pods tend to kill those investigative pods. People love to listen to those. They also love to listen to people talk about the Minnesota Vikings as we do when it's yourself and Jesse and me pressing buttons for you on before we die for score north and purple daily. I teed you up. You've you've said a few times you think the Vikings will win 12 games. I really hope you're right. I'm not willing to say that. But what I would love to hear again is your elevator pitch as to why you think the Minnesota Vikings can be 12-5 and or better. Because when I hear 12-5 and or better, that is when I think, okay, Vikings football could be fun. And I think that's what we all want out of the upcoming season. So give the elevator pitch that 12-5 and or better is possible.
0: A thousand percent. Well, first of all, I think that they're going to win the North and to win the division, you're going to have to be at about 12 wins. So that's, that, I mean, that's where the basic measuring stick of it. But I think like beyond that, the the things that plague last year's team have been head on addressed, right? Like um, the, the thing of where the Vikings would be up in the second half and they'd immediately start deflating the ball. That was Zimmer's sort of ethos playing not to lose would be the you know way that announcers put it or whatever, and allowing these scenes back. Now you have a cutting-edge offensive philosophy to go with your cutting-edge skill talent, your solid NFL quarterback, stuff like that. And then on defense was the major issue last year. They finished, like, what, 27th or 28th overall in, in the league. And it was particularly awful in money situations. It got even worse, like at the end of halves, end of games, situational football and stuff like that the defense almost cannot help but be better, um, you know, it, which you wouldn't think of switching out a defensive coach for an offensive coach, but it almost cannot be better than it was last year. Plus you would, you, the, the holes that you had, the, the guys that were leading to some of those struggles, you've addressed some of those different things. Certainly the depth is better. You know, I mean, like they're going to start buying them again this year, like at the start of the season, week one depth chart, but sean is right behind him. I, I would imagine that at some point he's going to take over. Now you got Zadarius. And I I think that the personnel on hand, too, it's going to take well to the three, four system that that, that, you know, that O'Connell and and company have brought in Donatello, et cetera. Um, So I think there's that stuff. I also think the schedule sets up pretty well for the Vikings. You have the one more home game than you have away game. You have I mean, like situationally, you have the thing of like you get the Packers at home in your opener when they don't have any tape on on your new schemes. And then you play in one of the worst divisions in football, where you have arguably the worst team in all of the NFL, and the Bears, and maybe not even, maybe maybe it's not even arguable. I guess it'd be between them and the Texans, maybe. And then uh, and then the Lions, you know, who are a bottom ten team in the NFL. And then you're expecting regression from uh, Green Bay, which some of that they chose by trading Devonte Adams. But you're putting Rogers in a tough spot where you have one of the worst three receiving cores in the NFL and Rogers is not going to get better. I mean, he's, you know, who knows how long he plays, but every year it's going to be depreciating a little bit. So yeah, I, I like the Vikings to win the division. like I said, to win the division, you got to be at about 12 wins. So I live
1: in a world of doom and gloom, particularly when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. Sure. And I believe a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans do. So I'll phrase my follow-up to you will be this. If the Minnesota Vikings start off 0-2, can they still make any sort of a playoff run? Because I, I think we're all a lot of people, not we're all. I think a lot of us, maybe yourself included, Thor, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe yourself included, I think we're all just assuming that the Vikings will show up and they're the more talented team than Green Bay and they're a better team than Green Bay and they don't have all the issues on offense that maybe Green Bay has. But they don't have, at least yet, we haven't seen it, the Vikings don't have an all-world Hall of Fame quarterback who we'd like to think that these receivers won't get open and that they're going to be an awful receiving core and that they're not going to be very good But I don't think we know that yet, and we need to take into account that Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback. So I'm just saying, it's entirely possible the Vikings will lose Game 1, and it's no treat the following week to go to Philly. So if they start 0-2, what is the panic level? And then the follow-up to that is, can a team that starts 0-2 still finish strong and maybe find 11-12 wins?
0: Well, the first thing I'll say is I can't wait until that week two game when Jalen Ragor goes in there and returns a punt for a touchdown and has like five catches for 80 yards at a touchdown. It's going to be absolutely fabulous, the the, the, the Ragor re- revenge game. And I know I'm, mis- I'm mispronouncing his name. I don't care. I, that's <laughs> the way that I, I choose to pronounce his name. I don't want any comments about it. Um, But, no, I mean, like, if they start 0-2, the thing that would be out the window is the, the 12-5 and finish. But you could certainly still rally back into the playoff for sure, right? Like, I mean, especially with the 17 game season now, getting in the playoffs. What you got to be 10 and seven would be the at the very low end. Maybe that wouldn't. 11 is definitely getting you in. So like the the schedule after that, you know, one of the I guess looking at it the other way, it is a tough start. You know, with those first two games, but then you, I, th- I think the Lions and the and the Bears are right after that, and and you get sort of into the easier stuff after that. I would take one and one. Absolutely. If I'm the Vikings, if they come out of that 2-0, watch out. But if they come out of it 0-2, uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to be completely hitting the alarm bells. I mean, depending on the way that, if you know, if it's two close losses, you know, it's like last year, the way that they started would be a different thing. But um, you, you would certainly lower the ceiling on the team a little bit. I want to
1: ask you a little bit about roster construction development and how were Quasi factors in at this point as far as, the roster that's on the field here week one, the 53 guys that it was pared down to, from where he is sitting, how what percent would you say he feels okay that if he could just go to the drawing board and you had a re-league-wide draft where everybody started over? Of those 53 players on the roster, how many do you think are honestly his guys? Because There's still more turnover to come in the next couple of years. How, what percentage would you say are guys he's okay with having that he himself would have chosen to hitch his wagon to?
0: I think it's a pretty high percentage, especially after we saw the decisions that they were making. It seemed like, uh, what was that movie? Uh, where it's like, you know, overnight for one night that all the laws go, the purge.
1: Oh, the purge. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was sort of like Quasi with all of Spielman's old players. It was just like,
1: well, yeah. Half the 2021 draft is gone.
0: Yeah. There was no laws for Quasi this off season. He was just, you know, literally the purge. Um,
1: There was one law. You can't hire Jim Harbaugh.
0: (laughs) I don't know if that was a law or if that was the Will center seating. That's, that's going to be my second uh, investigative podcast series right now. I would I listen to that. Handle.
1: I want to know everything that happened in the Jim Harbaugh interview. That's what I want to know.
0: I, I It's funny. I, I went out uh, to lunch with uh, a, a Vikings uh, a reporter fellow today. We actually had this exact same conversation because uh, this person was uh, – he had sort of bought more of what had been proffered publicly of like Harbaugh didn't get the job because – he went into the interview expecting to get it. I don't buy that at all. I, like, it's it's not even a narrative that really makes sense. Jim Harbaugh has dominated at every level of football that he has ever coached at, and he had a pre-existing relationship with Kwasi, who called him on the frigging phone to come in and interview. Jim Harbaugh, by that point, he had already told Michigan, like, when he was leaving, you know, like, you know, after their, they got annihilated in the playoff or whatever, he had already told them on the way out, like, Guys, I'm probably going to take an NFL job this off season. So, you know, it's been a pleasure working with you. But I just, I wanted you to hear it from me first before you started to hear it from the media. Jim Harbaugh thought he was getting that job, and he should have felt like he got. Yes, he was going to get that job. He, he, he would have been by far the most decorated uh, person that they interviewed for it. So the idea that you wouldn't give it to him because he expected to get it to me is absurd. Of course, he would expect to get it, Jim friggin' Harbaugh. Um, like, so what I'm wondering is, what was the actual story there? Going back to your original point, y- you wonder if Kwesi, that was the way that he was leaning. And then the Wilfs got involved, whether the Wilfs didn't like his disposition in, in the interview, didn't like perhaps the the, pit, the elevator pitch he had given, uh, you know, for who knows? I mean, maybe Harbaugh, uh, this is Beyond, you know, we have, rec- what is it called? Reck- reckless speculation. Reck-
1: yeah, reckless speculation on this, Purple Daily. This is way even
0: beyond that, because they, they actually, I'm just, you know, guessing out here. But, like, you you wonder I- exactly how that went down. It, was it Was it the, the will shutting down? Was it Harbaugh that came in and said, who knows? I, I, I don't want, I don't like Cousins. I, I would rather rebuild from scratch. I want to, tr-. who knows what it was? But it seems like it. it It seems like it would make more sense if it was an explanation like that, as opposed to just Jim Harbaugh thinking something that he should have been thinking. It would be weird if Jim Harbaugh did not think that heading into his interview.
1: Yeah, I think the only logical thing, and this could be wrong, but it just seems the the most logical, is that the Wilfs got involved and knowing how owners talk, maybe they had heard what Jim Harbaugh is like, at least dealing with ownership, and they didn't want to go down that road. Uh, look, I hope O'Connell works out, and, and I hope he wins a Super Bowl. He's the first one to bring a Super Bowl to the Vikings. But with that said, all things being equal, if you were going to come back with Kirk Cousins, which they did, I would have hired Jim Harbaugh because I think Jim Harbaugh pretty much guarantees – Within a handful of years, maybe right away, you'll be in an NFC championship game. Maybe not Super Bowl. You can never guarantee that. But I think he'd get you to the championship game. Just look at what he did three out of four years in San Francisco. I don't know if we're guaranteed any of that with O'Connell. Maybe we are. Time will tell. But I'm just saying I would have hired Jim Harbaugh. And my hunch is that the Wolves got involved and said, no, 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 no. We want you to hire this guy or somebody else, which, by the way, I also have a problem with. If you're gonna hire a guy to do a job, let him do the job how he wants to do it.
0: Yeah, th- there's an old axiom that general managers, it's their decision on everything except quarterback and head coach. And those that's what the ownership decides. That I, I could tell you for sure, the Wills have gotten involved with the Kirk Cousins thing. Uh you know, between the past administration and the new administration, there was people that wanted to to blow it up that wanted to trade Cousins, restart the whole thing, you know, and, and whatever. The Wilfs are not, or at least to this point, have not been cool with that. So the fact that Cousins saw on the team, that's a Wilf thing. That is not the, the past two general managers. You wonder, again, like how much they got involved with the head coach. I don't think of the Wilfs as meddlers um, in that I don't think that they go beyond those two positions and enforce their, you know, their will or their import, at, you know, at, at the decision point or whatever. But those two spots, I think that they definitely do.
1: I got one more NFL question for you that I want to talk college football really quickly and I'll let you run. How does this Tom Brady thing end? Look into your crystal ball. How does Tom Brady's career end? Does it end after this year? Does it end after he plays for the Dolphins for a season, which I still think is a realistic possibility? Does it end with another Super Bowl victory? How do you envision the illustrious career of Tom Brady ending, because I still can't wrap my head around a world where he's not playing quarterback, but it's got to be the end of this season or the following season. It just can't realistically go on much longer. So how do you see this ending for Tom Brady? I am so fascinated by Tom Brady. Everything he does, I'm fascinated by, because he's... We've never seen, for the most part, anything like him. And to dominate at his age, and it is domination. I mean, he, he almost won the MVP at 40, Was well, he 44, 45 now? He's 45. But to win an MVP in your early to mid-40s, incredible. How does this end? At some point here, okay, sorry, now I'm going to cut you off here. <laughs> I ask you how it ends, and then I cut you off. At some point, I feel like this ends like every, every star old NFL quarterback. He's going to leave the field dragging his arm with him because it will have fallen off a la Brett Favre, Peyton Manning. I, I feel like that's inevitably how it ends. I just don't know when it ends, but maybe he's the exception.
0: For sure. Well, I mean, he already is the exception. He's a historical exception to, you know, I mean, even, even now, but like, I, I do, you know, I mean, like you could have done this the past seven, eight off seasons and every time you're going to predict this is this season coming up is his last season and it never is. But some of this off field stuff is new, right? Like there, I mean, maybe I'm forgetting something. I don't think I am, but like, I don't recall a time previously in his career where like he had to leave the team for 10 days to two weeks, you know, or like different stuff like that. You have, you have stuff like that. And then there's going to be, you know, and there already has been to a point he's been able to overcome it with his mind, but, depreciation of physical skills. And I think those two things are going to start to to cross here. He's still going to be a good player. I mean, like, he's a supercomputer on on the field. But, like, you know, you, Peyton Manning's the great example of this because he he was the exact same way. His body started to betray him. Brady's hasn't. But, again, like, that's part of the equation. I think the off-field stuff is, is another one. And I don't know if he's running to the football field from that or if that's something that he feels like, you know, it's it's different stuff now, and he has to tend to it now. But like either way, you wouldn't think it would portend well for, you know, continued longevity. But he he's, I mean, every single you know supposition about that to this point, he is disqualified by by just continuing to play into his mid forties.
1: Not a hot take. I one hundred percent believe this. That Super Bowl that Peyton Manning won with the Denver Broncos if they would have just let Brock Osweiler finish the deal, he also would have finished the deal. That that Super Bowl that Peyton Manning won with the Broncos, I'm not disqualifying him from winning that Super Bowl. I'm just saying it didn't really matter who that quarterback was, and the Broncos may have actually been a little bit better if they would have just let Brock Osweiler be the quarterback the rest of the year. And yes, I do understand what I'm saying because Brock Osweiler is no longer in the league, and he's doing color analyst work for ESPN. I get that, but that was a rock-solid Denver Broncos defense, historically good, and Peyton Manning and that offense did literally nothing for two months and still won the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, you said it. That that was a that was a defense winning the yeah the, the defense carried him. Sort of like the Iowa Hawkeyes defense is going to carry him against Jesse's Iowa State Cyclones <laughs> on Saturday. Just about the exact same analogous.
1: That that is a before we die crossover right there. You'll want to check out the latest edition of Before We Die. Um, Thor, an Iowa guy, Jesse, an Iowa State gal. So there's going to be some sort of bet with the. Uh, what do we still is it the Seahawks trophy? That's what we yeah, call so, it, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, that's right, that's we got right. that game this upcoming Saturday. I I I'll, I'll stay out of it. I don't I prefer both teams lose. But I do have a college football uh, question for you in general, okay? Yeah. You you with Fantasy Pros and, and all the work that you do and you're 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 big on the uh betting scene, you're big on the lines. Explain to me in some of these games, Thor Oh, oh, we'll talk Gophers. Gophers in Western Illinois this Saturday from the Huntington Bank Stadium. Yep. How does one even begin to put a line together for that game?
0: Well, so that's going to be a bad example because I don't I don't include FCS teams in mine. So those are the only okay. projected spreads that I don't put out. But like we'll, we'll go back to the previous. Yeah, let's do they that. Played New Mexico State. The 131 FBS teams. I have a power ranking of them, so they each have a number. There's about a 60 point discrepancy from the top, give or take, you know, on, on a given week, but it's about a 60 point discrepancy between the top team and the bottom team, which tells you that, you know, if Alabama is playing the worst team in the nation on a neutral field, it's gonna be about Alabama minus 60. You play them in in Tuscaloosa, you're probably gonna add three, three and a half points. Cause I I have custom home field advantage numbers for every team that's based on how they did against the spread over the last five years and how much they did against how, how well they did against the spread over the past 10 years at home right? Like, I don't care about the away stuff for that, but um, that, you know, that's how, that's, I mean, that, that's one example of it, but like every team in between, they also have a power rating somewhere within that, that 60 point band, you know, that's based on how well they did last year. Now we're baking in the stats from this year. Now that we have data from this year and then adjustments that I have made depending on, you know, like this past off season, we had all the transfer portal kids, um, uh, more roster turn, turnover in the FBS than we had seen previous any year previously with, with all the movement. So I had to do a bit more adjustments this off season, crediting teams that had, that had gained talent in the portal uh, and then uh, penalizing the teams that had lost uh, more way more talent than they had gained in the portal. And then once you got your power rank, it's pretty easy. You just deduct the one number from the other number and you add whatever your custom home field advantage number is for the home team credit them.
1: Did anybody gain more uh, points or lose more points uh, in your scenario than Jed Fish in the University of Arizona adding 50 players in an offseason? 50. Quite
0: quite a bit. They they were one of the top jumpers, um, and it was one of the reasons why I was telling people last week to bet on Arizona against San Diego State because I don't think the market completely appreciated how much talent Arizona brought in. They brought in a top 25 uh, a high school class and also a top 25 transfer portal class, which there was like maybe like two teams that qualified for that statement. The, Arizona was one of them. So you knew they were going to be way up. Their quarterback situation last year was awful. They got a good uh, transfer portal guy, kid from Wazoo, Jaden DeLore. They got the stud receiver, you know, on and on and on. But yeah, that you bumped them up because of that. And then, you know, you, you start to see with your adjusted spreads against the Vegas number, discrepancies, you know, so like last week, for instance, my line on uh, Arizona at San Diego State, it was close to a pick them might have been San Diego State by one, something like that. Whereas the Vegas line was San Diego State minus six and a half. I just felt like it was way too inflated. So I, I bought tickets on Arizona plus six and a half, bought tickets on the Arizona money line. You know, and that's, that's how we start the handicap for the week.
1: That is a uh, Thor Nyström at Thor K U for Kansas University on the Twitter machine. Also a fantasy pros and betting pros. Okay, final one for you on the way out the door for you. You always tell me you want to talk Gopher football. I want to talk yeah. Gopher football, and Let's I always do it. I always tell you, well, that's great, but we have a Minnesota Vikings podcast that you're featured on. Yeah. So uh, go back to a previous iteration in the Hubbard Building. I was the host of the Score North Gopher Show. So we'll reprise that here in closing for a few minutes. I'm just talk
0: gonna feel about getting that back too.
1: I'm just gonna set you up. I am just gonna say Gophers football, Thor. Your thoughts?
0: Well, I so my, going back to my projection system. I, I think I had the Gophers at seven point eight wins for this fall. So I'm basically seeing oh, eight and over, over. Oh, would you go over eight if the if I set the number at eight? You're going over.
1: No, I think I'd go over 7.8. Seven and and yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, like, and, and they got a couple of things going for them. Not only the talent back, but with the schedule, you had one of the easiest non-cons of any of the Power 5 teams. New Mexico State is, they might be the worst team in the FBS. If they're not, they're one of the three worst. Then you get the FCS team. That's always the free win. Then you get Colorado at home. Colorado's one of the three worst power five teams. Absolutely awful. We talk about, you know, gains and ads in the transfer portal. Colorado got destroyed, unlike we've ever seen a roster get picked apart. Every t- Lincoln Riley was going in there. Every coach was just like, let's, let's just pluck the best players off of Colorado. So they're way, way down. And then you get into the, the Big 12, or I'm sorry, the, the Big 10 schedule. They ducked both Ohio State and Michigan. So the schedule could not have gone any better for the Gophers this year. You, you have, uh, Ibrahim back, you have Morgan back. Their receiving core is very, very experienced, led, you know, led by Otman Bell, and they got several guys down there. The defense, they did not return as many guys, but Joe Rossi, to this point, every single year, his defenses are awesome. It, it, it seems like it doesn't really matter what goes on. That guy's a really good coach who's going to be a head coach in the FBS sometime really soon. The, you, you had some concerns about the offensive line. You wanted to see how, how they would coalesce. Not going to get a referendum on that this coming week against the FCS team, just like we didn't against New Mexico State. Probably not against Colorado either, but it'll be interesting to see once they start playing the decent uh, Big Ten teams. But this team has plenty going for it, and they're not playing a great schedule. To me, that it looks like eight and four, but it is a team that could tick up potentially to nine and three, depending on how they, they play in some of these bigger games.
1: Yeah, I look at it this way, Thor. I think we talked about this off air before we recorded the recent Before We Die for Purple Daily. I think we'll know a lot, not think, I know we'll know a lot more about the Gophers. If they go to East Lansing and win on September 24th and get to yes. 4-0 and they win a road game against what we all think is going to be at least, maybe not as good as last year, but a, a very good Michigan State team, okay, yeah, then maybe this is another 10-2 and season for P.J. Flack and the Gophers, but if you lose that game, then it looks an awful lot like 8-4 and pretty quickly, so I think we'll have a pretty good idea here in a few weeks, of what type of fall we're in for the Gophers. I do expect it will at least, they'll be definitely be watchable and they'll be in some pretty darn entertaining games.
0: Thousand percent. Yeah. And and just to give you a preview, my, my adjusted line on that game, looking at it, you know, and these are going to change within the next couple of weeks as the results come in and stuff like that. But right now I have the adjusted line on that of Michigan State minus 7.1. So it is certainly not an unwinnable game. Uh, my system gives the Gophers at that, at, at those odds, about a 25% chance of of, of winning it. Um, certainly could, could certainly tick up and we'll see how the Gophers play that the next couple weeks, specifically against Colorado. They blast Colorado. That's going to be a really good sign. TCU just blasted Colorado. If Minnesota's a, a really solid team, they should blast blast Colorado. But yeah, the, the Michigan State one's big. Next week you bring in Purdue that – you know, we just saw Purdue go down to the wire with Penn State. My line on that one's Gophers minus two, uh, two point eight. So that that one could go either way. But if if the Gophers uh, split those two games, I think that would probably be fine. And then you're probably going to beat Illinois the next week, and then you got to go to Penn State. So I mean, it's it, it's going to be interesting. They do duck the the two behemoths from the other side, but you still you still got to play Penn State. Of course, you still got to play Michigan State, and then all the teams in your own division. So. It's going to be a really interesting year for the Gophers, but I think eight and four is what they should be shooting for. That's, that should be their goal.
1: Will you be despondent in a year in which your squad loses to both Iowa State and the Gophers? Are you prepared to live in a world where that happens?
0: That's a hurtful question, Ross, and I refuse <laughs> to acknowledge it. Not going to happen. We're going we're gonna to destroy Jesse Cyclones. This We're talking about Iowa, of course. Everybody see my mug. We're, we're going to destroy Jesse's Cyclones this week, and then I, I'm a, I'm a Minnesota, people got to understand out there, I'm a Minnesota Golden Gopher football fan, 364 days a year, root form with all my heart, one day of the year, I'm I'm the anti-Gopher fan, the day that they play Iowa, so that day, I will have my Iowa Hawkeye gear on, I'm an alum, you can't blame me for that, I'm from Brainerd, I you know my dad went to University of Minnesota, been a Gopher fan all my life, but... Iowa was able to buy my allegiances in in, in that one or whatever. So, and Iowa's got to come to the bank this year. You know, it's it's a little bit different than in recent years. Iowa's been sort of a boogeyman for Minnesota, but you get them at home this year. We know that Iowa's offense is awful, and so if Minnesota defense, if Rossi can get them playing like he has the past couple of years, Iowa's not going to be able to score. So, so at the very least, you figure it's going to be a coin flip game at the end. I, I think PJ would take that.
1: I. I've already kept you way too long, but I astonished isn't the right word for what I watched last Saturday between <laughs> South Dakota State and Iowa. Yeah. Mainly just trying to process at the end that the defense technically outscored the offense in a game that you won, right? With the the, the two safeties for four points.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, versus the field goal for three. Yes, outscored both Iowa's offense and South Dakota, and State. South Dakota State's. <laughs> and it was almost even, like, worse. Like, you see that score and you hear some of this stuff, and it's like, man, that must have been really rough day for the offense. Op- it's even worse than you think. I, I don't even know how that's possible, but it is. Uh, Iowa, their one scoring drive, you know, with, with their one field goal, what happened was they pinned South Dakota State back real deep. South Dakota State punts to them. They get the ball at like, the 38th, you know, or, like, something like that. They gained five yards – on a three and out, and then kicked, <laughs> kicked a long field goal. That was their one scoring drive. South Dakota State, their one scoring drive. They picked off Spencer Petras, the awful Iowa, uh, you know Iowa quarterback. You can't even, you know, complain about Tanner Morgan if you're a Gopher fan. Once you see Spencer Petras, you see what what, what else is, you know, is out there. But Iowa threw the interception on their own side of the field, and so then San Diego, or South Dakota State, they they got one first down on that drive. But then they, they petered out. It was something like seven plays for 12 yards was their scoring drive. Then they kicked the field goal. Those were literally the two scoring drives on offense. It was a brutal game to watch, except once Iowa was playing defense. That defense is really, really good, and their special teams is awesome, too. They got an NFL punter, this Australian named Tori Taylor. Watch for him this weekend because this guy's really good at like the coffin corner stuff but you will not be seeing much uh, much of note or much of interest when Iowa is playing offense.
1: Honestly, people love to rip on Iowa's offense, and, and I get it. It's been brutal now for a couple years. Iowa's still going to win seven, eight, nine games. They, they do this every year. At the beginning of the year, you worry about their offense. They'll figure it out enough to be functional, and to your point, they play good defense and special teams. So I'm not super worried about them, other than it was just kind of comical to watch because – I've never seen a team win a game seven to three by scoring two safeties. Like I, I don't know if we'll ever see it again. That's how great it was.
0: It was the first time since at least 2000 that a team has scored exactly seven points in the FBS without an offensive touchdown. I I don't know before then uh, the the stats sort of cut out there, you know, from the stuff that was reported, but it would be interesting to, to go like, I'm not going to do it. This would take way too much time, but like dig through the years previous to 2000 and try to find another example where this happened. I do not remember it in my lifetime as a college football fan. Maybe it happened once, but yeah, pretty crazy. And, but I mean, either way, Iowa state's offense is in for some problems when, when they come to Iowa city <laughs> this weekend. Thor. I mean, yeah.
1: Thank you so much. I I've overstayed my welcome in your uh, sphere of talking sports. So I'll let you run. I really do appreciate it. We're recording this on a, what, a Tuesday afternoon? You're stuck with me again in a few days for uh, before we die, so we'll, I'll talk to you then, okay?
0: Yeah, wait. Talk to you then, Rob. Find
1: Thor on the Twitter machine, at Thor KU, also with Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. That'll do it for edition number 125 of Minnesota Sports Chat. I'll be back in just a few days in this very feed with Daniel House from Gophers Guru. Previewing the Gophers and the Western Illinois Leathernecks. What a great team name. Tough to beat. They might not be a great team, but that's a great team name. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat kindly.